RIT is unlocking a new level of computing security with its Global Cybersecurity Institute. The GCI is opening the doors of its new 52,000 square foot state-of-the-art facility on campus this year, a space that will help make RIT one of the best places in the world for cybersecurity education, training, and research. In this edition of Intersections, the RIT podcast, Steve Hoover, the Katherine Johnson Executive Director of the GCI, and Justin Pelletier, a computing security lecturer and director of the GCI's Cyber Range and Training Center, provide a sneak peek of what the GCI has to offer. I think it'd be interesting for folks to hear a little bit about your background and, and how you ended up at RIT and leading um, some of the activities you're leading at uh, the GCI. I, I started my career in uh, the security field through the, through the military and intelligence community. I worked as a civil servant for a number of years and, and ultimately after I uh, earned my PhD, I decided to enter academia and I'm lucky that there was a, a good fit at RIT. So one, one of the overwhelming emphasis points for me in making that transition from national defense in a, in a government capacity to, to working with RIT in, in the cybersecurity field is really the soft underbelly of the critical infrastructure across the country. So really, it's it's been uh, quite important for me to help defend that portion of the of the country and to enable those folks to do the same uh, through our training and educational programs at RIT. What about you, Steve? How did you come to join RIT and and lead the GCI? Yeah, so so spent uh, most of my career in uh, industry, uh, not in academia. After I finished my PhD. I focused in area of really the intersection of computation and physical systems. So today, what you'd call cyber physical systems and um, focused in robotics and automation, the application of AI design, and then ended up, uh, as I said, 25 years in industry in a variety of positions on the product development side. So I've got a strong background in innovation and, and research uh, leading into products and then product uh, development. And my the cyber part of my background really came out of that, where I worked at Xerox, um, led a large engineering team that was responsible for all the software electronics for our products, and really recognized that we needed to have a different approach to security, an approach of security by design. And we really chose uh, as a strategy to lead in cyber secure products. And we're pretty successful at that. So I've got a lot of passion around the idea that we owe, we owe consumers, we owe people who use our technology and our products a safe and a private experience. And again, I've got a lot of commitment to how do we help the people who want to make, uh, who use technology to make, uh, make the world a safer place. And then I ended up uh, deciding to look for something different. I had been on the RIT board of trustees at the time. And when the GCI opportunity came up, um, I just decided it was time to, as I said, leave Xerox and try something different and was, was really honored that RIT asked me to come in and take on this role. Steve, you mentioned something that I, that I hear a lot. You, you mentioned security by design. And, and I think it's, it's something that we can sort of dismiss as a you know, buzzword of the day or, or think we know everything we need to know about it. But, but there are some nuances to building the right team and integrating that. Um, I'm interested in your experience there. Could you uh, explain a little bit more? There are some places that really mean this, and I think it's a real differentiator. And if you mean it, you're going to do a couple of things. One, you know, you know, the first and foremost, it's not an afterthought, right? It isn't, we design our product and now, okay, how do we apply security? 
um, that's too late. And one of the things that means is, so we had a product cybersecurity team because you need a set of deep technical expertise in that area. But a large part of that team's mission was to, um, two things, to identify what are the best technologies and security approaches out in the world that we can then bring in and use. But the other is really training and exposing the broad software engineering community to, to what they need to know to help them do their jobs. The GCI is an attempt to create a holistic approach to cybersecurity. So in that holistic approach to cybersecurity, we recognize that cybersecurity is an outcome of a set of things. You gotta have the technical capabilities. It's also about having the right business approach and the right business philosophy. It's about understanding people. Because in the end, people are often the weakest link in security systems and they are the source of you know, the bad actors. It's about public health policy. What should the regulations, what should the standards be that, that commercial entities have to follow to be secure? And so this idea of there's a core technical strength in our computing security department, but we partner deeply with software engineering to do security by design. We partner deeply with computer science because a lot of this is core computing algorithms. We also partner with the business school because in the end, this is a business outcome. We partner with public policy, cognitive psychology. And so the GCI is an umbrella across the university that makes it far easier for those collaborations and interactions to happen to help make you and your digital selves safer. You know, you, you mentioned the idea of multidisciplinary inputs to the GCI. I think the audience would, would benefit from hearing a little bit more about how we've got that going on through the research in the GCI. There are a variety of areas that we're, that we're focused on. One of them is this whole idea of the internet of things. You know, the example, what I talk about is the 21st century will be about making the physical digital. The 20th century was about creating the digital world. This century is about making the whole world digital, everything connected, everything smart, right? I probably, you know, I have Nest thermostats. I've got Amazon Alexas and my car steers itself and brakes on its own. This is real and this is happening. Tremendous opportunity to improve the quality of our lives. And a tremendous opportunity, frankly, I think, to improve you know, the quality of the world. If we use these systems right for energy management, pollution control, safety, right? But man, does it open up the, what we in the, in the industry, you know, the term of art is the attack surface, right? Now, man, everything can be attacked, right? My watch, you know, my glasses, you know, that have a smart processor embedded because I'm doing AR, whatever, right? So to the bad guys out there, why do cyber people go, the IoT, it's just everything, the attack service is massively larger. So what do we do? You know, imagine the car driving down the road and there's wrecks all around them because they're lying about where the other cars are. And these are deep, um, you know, these are real-time physical systems, uh, real-time processing that's got to happen. You've got milliseconds. How do you make the decision on, and that between, you know, when you're being spoofed and when you're not, how do you prevent denial of service attacks, flooding? Or if there is one, you know, where, where somebody just floods my system with a whole bunch of, of requests and bad data and I give up because I, I don't know what to do. How do I degrade safely in the, you know, in the presence of that? How do I detect a hack at the physical level of the wireless uh, system? And so we've got a lot of research in, in all of those kinds of uh, areas. And I know, you know, you've got a lot of passion and there's work we're doing um, with companies like Eaton in you know, the safety of the, of, the, of the power grid. Again, 
everything smart and connected, we are making the physical um, digital. One of the things we also recognize as making that mission, bringing that mission to life is in the end, right? It comes about through impact in the world. So we educate a lot of students. That is one way to help the world really. And we do that very well. We do a lot of research. A third way is how do you impact the practitioners in the world? I want you to talk a little bit about the kinds of things that we're doing, Justin, to do that. The things that you're doing in the Eat and Safe Lab, the things that you're doing to influence the world by addressing a whole different set of students that we don't normally reach. We seek to provide that uh, security awareness training at a very uh, base level from the ground up, really, with, with folks entering the, the Cyber Range Boot Camp, which is going strong right now and gives folks an opportunity to learn the fundamentals of security and networking and information technology and operating systems, even a little bit of coding, all without a, an IT background. So they really can start their career in, in a security field with a, with a solid foundation. It's a 15-week program, and it's meant, to, uh, it's meant to facilitate career transition for folks with a variety of backgrounds, but there's no degree requirements as prerequisites. We really are seeking non-traditional background candidates to enter the workforce for cybersecurity. That, that is the single most important differentiator in cognitive diversity is the background of the team. And that is the top indicator of performance of the team. All other things being equal, you have, you have a, a group of folks that, that are experienced and, and well-trained, but they think alike, they're going to miss a lot of cyber attacks more than a group that thinks differently would. So that's the design. We want more diverse uh, defenders. It, it sounds hard. So I, I'm, I'm curious, could you talk a little bit about taking people without an IT background? How are we designing that program? So, you know, 15 weeks, you know, you come out at your non-IT background and, you know, you can do the job. Is that actually possible? Are there other places where people do that? How are we doing it so that that works? So first, it's a 15-week full-time program. So we're requiring 40 hours of work per week from the students in the boot camp. We have a, a simulation, a simulation environment that allows for these career transitioning uh, trainees to, to adopt the role of an intern at a cybersecurity services firm and really learn the, learn the process of cybersecurity by doing it really hands-on focused. And so by the end of that, after 15 weeks of doing something, though there is a humongous learning curve, they are able to hit the ground running. And you know this isn't designed to get somebody an advanced job in cybersecurity. It's really designed to get them their first paid placement as an entry-level cybersecurity worker and to instill those traits of individual directed development planning so that they know where the resources are and how to continue learning so that they're not made irrelevant because they're over-specialized to today's technology. And so what we expect to see is, is high levels of impact downstream and an opportunity for follow-on uh, leveling up, which corresponds to some of the more advanced training we have planned for the range. There's another thing that I know you've got a lot of passion about, which is um, the cyber competitions and specifically the CPTC that you lead. I've got to say the collegiate penetration testing competition was one of the was one of the reasons that I came to RIT. Uh, I was started here, and it really does reflect uh, professionalism that I think is is just outstanding, and it attracts the best of the best from the from the security students uh, across the globe. We're now a, a international competition, so 
in that competition, we build a fake infrastructure, a simulated company, and it's fairly expansive. There's a lot of custom applications, but we make it look and feel and behave like a real network in that sector, in that industry. That balance of technical competence, knowing where to look and how to find vulnerabilities, how to exploit them, and then and then how to how to encapsulate that in a non-technical report and briefing to at an executive level. It's it's underemphasized in a lot of programs, I think, that the ability to find the vulnerability and exploit it as as we do in pen testing and security assurance testing, that's only half of the equation. If we can't explain what we found and how how we recommend to fix it and and in a convincing manner, then we haven't done our job. We really need to emphasize that and and this competition does that. With the integration through the GCI, we are able to host and orchestrate the event in such a way that it becomes storable and usable for research and also communicable uh, to the wider community. And that's one of the really interesting research area overlaps that we've, that we've got an opportunity for through the cyber range, namely event hosting and cybersecurity visualization such that a non-technical audience can understand what's happening, which is really the bane of, of, a, of cybersecurity as a spectator sport or even, even in communicating the base findings uh, to a non-technical board. It, it can be difficult if, you, if we can't visualize and describe what's going on. Those soft skills really do go a long way in improving the hard skills of the organization. That ability to be really good technically and understand what's going on, but be able to translate it and communicate it to non-technical experts, I cannot tell you how important that is to have an impact in the world. And learning how to do that is just phenomenal. I think, you know, one of the things that people want to learn some more about it because it's a, you know, it's just happening is the new building, right? And the new capabilities and how those are going to help our mission. And you've used the word cyber range a couple times, but I'm not sure our whole audience will, you know, first of all, can you say a little bit about what a cyber range is and then talk about the capabilities in this building and how that supports the mission that we talked about? So there's, there's really a few components to the cyber range. It's the physical space, that orchestration, that sort of uh, event hosting arena, the command and control center for an operations, a security operations center. So there's, there's that in, in the physical space, but there's also a backend architecture that facilitates several thousand virtual machines uh, simultaneously running so that we can build this sweeping, realistic infrastructure for our training scenarios and our events uh, like the CPTC. And then there's the social space as well, which... There's a lot of gathering around the data as a research community, looking at it, poking at it in different ways and, and seeing what might come from it. So facilitating that dialogue is also part of the range's mission. And all told, RIT's made this investment in order to increase the proactiveness and awareness of the trainees coming through the cybersecurity training center in, in the range so that they could be really conscientious consumers of technology and also proactive defenders of the environments that they're in. That idea of a, a human focus uh, and, a, and a net impact that benefits individual human beings through the, through the actions is, is really endemic to the, to the training model and to the communications that we have. The cyber range, I love that it's really both, it is a physical simulation of kind of a realistic security operations center. It has also the back end again, to simulate realistic infrastructure and we're going to bring, again, this is back to the GCA and our mission to influence the world. Again, not only through our traditional means of traditional students and not to minimize that, that's so important, but the practitioners out in the world. So creating these events that simulate a cyber event that we can bring, you know, business teams and leadership teams in and train them and give them not, not sit and look at a PowerPoint and talk about it, 
but you know, we're going to hammer them with, you know, the reporters on the phone. What are you going to say? The head of HR is going to stand up and say, what do I tell employees? We just had a breach of, uh, of confidential employee information. What do I tell them? What are we going to do about it? Right. The pressure simulating the pressure of that and using this physical environment, but also RIT's great capabilities and multimedia and gaming to really simulate that holistic event and give people that you may come out a little sweaty, but there was no blood spilled. I mean, I love your your, your statement, right? And so you're going to be better. I think that's a, you know, a really interesting capability in that cyber range. And again, using that holistic approach we're taking that I don't know many universities who can do that. And so helping the world in that way through the training, using it, I love your your example of using the data that we collect there in those training and simulation exercises to PC to do better research. I think this investment led by Austin McCord, our alum, um, with a lot of money from a lot of other people, including the state, is really going to pay big dividends in terms of the experiences that people who work with RIT can have, but also in our ability to make a big difference out in the, out in the real world. Thank you for listening to Intersections, the RIT podcast, a production of RIT Marketing and Communications. To learn more about our university, go to www.rit.edu. And to hear more podcasts, subscribe to Intersections on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, or SoundCloud, or by visiting www.rit.edu news podcasts.